Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. The title of today's lesson will be The Partnership Between Heaven and Earth. Brothers and sisters, the partnership between heaven and earth. Brothers and sisters, some people know the mind of God, while others only know his acts, brothers and sisters. And we're here to show that the mind of God is more important than his hands. To know how he thinks is more important than what he's done, brothers and sisters. The people who only know his hands rarely have a personal relationship. Those who know his mind find intimacy, brothers and sisters. So today we will learn the divine partnership between heaven and earth, giving us what? Giving us the purpose of prayer, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Joshua read Psalms, the 89th chapter and the 34th verse. Psalms 89 verse 34. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Look at that. He said, he said, I will never violate or break my own word. See that, brothers and sisters? We pulled this out for a Christian because Christians say, well, the New Testament things have changed. What did the Most High say, Brother Joshua? Verse 34, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. See, so God submits himself to the dictates of his own word. Brothers and sisters, any law of God is a law to God. The Most High is sovereign until he speaks, brothers and sisters, because when he speaks, he's obligated to do what he has spoken, brothers and sisters. And that's important because you have to learn your rights as kingdom citizens. To know your rights as a citizen means that if something is transpiring and you know what your rights are according to God, you go before God with the Constitution. The biblical constitution that is and you say father my right is this you said if i seek the kingdom first all the other things you would add you hold the most high you know you hold him against his own word because he will always follow that the same way when black men get pulled over they know their rights then well hold on you got a warrant bro you i know it's against my right see you know your rights for that time to know your rights for God. We're starting off at Psalms 89 and 34. We'll read it one more time and then we'll go forward. Verse 34, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. See, so he will never break his word. Why? Because to go against his word is to put his name at stake, brothers and sisters. We had to start there. Why? Because he made a declaration, he made a commandment that he would never break. And where is that commandment? Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse. We've already established, he said he will never break his word. Let's see what his word is, brothers and sisters. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Let them have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, 
and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So according to the 26th verse of the first chapter in Genesis, brothers and sisters, the legal authority to dominate earth was given to mankind only. Let's read it again, brother, please. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And let us have dominion? And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. He did not include himself in the legal authority structure over the earth, brothers and sisters. He said, let them. That word them is critical. Because if he said, let us, then he's including himself, brothers and sisters. He said, let them. So he gave man and woman dominion over the earth. Let's prove that. We've got to go to Genesis, the second chapter, the seventh verse, and then we'll go back. Follow us, please, brothers and sisters. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So here it is. When it says... Let them, he's saying anything that came from the dust, man, he gave man, which is male and female, dominion over the earth. So one thing you have to know is, brothers and sisters, man is the spirit, brothers and sisters. So in Genesis, the first chapter, he was creating the spirits. Man is the spirit. That's what you have to know. And then he created a what? A dirt body. Let's read that again, brother. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now that's key. So that means mankind, only mankind that have come from the dust can become the steward of earth's dominion, brothers and sisters. Meaning that any spirit without a body is illegal. He only gave man, male and female. Let's show you that. Again, let's go back to Genesis 1 and 26. Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, how do we know? He's speaking of male and female when he speaks of man. Let's read the 27th verse, brother. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. See? So when it says let them, he's talking about male and female, brothers and sisters. And by... Looking at verse 26 and 27, that means any spirit without a body is illegal on earth, brothers and sisters. First, you had the spirits that are being made right here. You're seeing the spirit. But guess what? You needed to have the body. So a spirit without a body is illegal. He gave man and woman, male and female, dominion over the earth. Brothers and sisters, that means any interference from the supernatural realm on earth is only legal through mankind. Why? Because he said, let them have dominion over the earth, brothers and sisters. So who has dominion according to chapter 1, verse 26 and 7? 
male and female, brothers and sisters. If you look at it closely, the Most High defined the boundaries of his right to legally influence the earthly realm. The Most High doesn't have dominion over earth. He gave it to his children. He gave male and female power on earth. Why? Why, brothers and sisters? Because he wanted his children to know what it felt like to be him, to have some authority. He said, okay, well, listen, if you're made in my image, I'm made for authority. I need to give my son and daughter authority. I need to give them their own territory in which they can uh, dominate. Let's go to Psalms 8 and 5 to prove this, brothers and sisters. Let's prove this. Psalms 8 verse 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. So he's speaking of man, male and female. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Read that again, brother. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. See? So he created us to administer the Most High's rule on earth. He made us lower than the angels to do what? Read verse 6 again, brother. Verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Everything he's created. Thou hast put all things under his feet. See? So man was created not only for relationship with the Most High, but to share his authority, brothers and sisters. The Most High cannot interfere in the earthly realm without the cooperation from mankind. Why? Because he gave man, male and female, dominion over the earth, brothers and sisters. So guess what? If we don't pray, heaven cannot interfere in earth's affairs. Why? Because he gave man, male and female, dominion over the earth. Let us show you. Let us show you. Let's go to Psalms 115 and 16. Examine this closely, brothers and sisters. Psalms 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. They're whose? Are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. See? So the Most High, who was a spirit without a body, made, him sub made himself subject to this law, brothers and sisters. The legal authority to dominate earth was given to who? The children of men, brothers and sisters. Nothing on earth can happen without the cooperation of who? Man, male and female. See? The Most High said, okay, the heavens are mine, okay? I'm going to give you authority on earth. See, he gave dominion on earth to the children of men, meaning a spirit without a body has no power, has no legal authority on earth. Brothers and sisters, you have to be a child of a man, which means a spirit with a dirt body, brothers and sisters. So what you have to do is that word human. Brothers and sisters, when you think of that word, it comes from two words, humus and man. Humus meaning dirt or soil or ground. Man is the spirit, 
brothers and sisters. That's where they get the word human. Look it up, brothers and sisters. So you need to have a spirit in a dirt body in order to have dominion over the earth. Why do you think that spirits are always trying to possess people, brothers and sisters? Because they know they don't have legal right without a dirt body. You can have a spirit, but without a dirt body, you have no authority on earth. That's why Christ had to come in the flesh, brothers and sisters. We'll prove that. We just wanted to show you that the Most High needs man in order to interfere. Let's go to Amos, brothers and sisters, the third chapter, the seventh verse. Amos 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. See, nothing on earth can happen without the cooperation of man on earth, brothers and sisters. Look at what he's saying. Could you read it again? Verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing. He'll do some things. He will do nothing. He'll do one thing. Will do nothing. But he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. See? So heavenly interference on earth can only take place by unity with man, male and female. Brothers and sisters, the Most High cannot operate on earth without using man as his instrument. Not because he's weak, because he's faithful. He gave a command in Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th verse, to give dominion over the earth to man, male and female. He did not include himself there. The first scripture said what? He will never break his word. He will never break his word. So if it's in the book, you better know it's going to come true, brothers and sisters. If the Most High say that the grass is going to turn to cheese, you better start selling crackers. Everything the Most High say is what it's going to be, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to show you that without God, Man can do nothing, but without man, God will do nothing, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to the gospel, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Joshua read uh, Matthew 18 and 18. Matthew 18, verse 18. Examine this. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. To bind means to lock up, to prohibit. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. To loose means to unlock or permit, brothers and sisters. This is a scripture that many Christians have read, but probably didn't have the proper understanding. In order to have the proper understanding, examine the structure of the text. Which comes first, brother? Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth. On where? On earth. So earth comes first. Shall be bound in heaven. See, we're reading a transfer of rule and authority over the earth from God to man. He said, whatever you bind and loose on earth, then it can be loosed in heaven. See? And that is the way it is, brothers and sisters. Earth has the keys to heaven. So heaven will do exactly as earth does. Are you seeing that, brothers and sisters? He said, what did he say, Brother Joshua? Verse 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So it goes from earth, 
then to heaven. Why? Because he gave man dominion over the earth, male and female, brothers and sisters, showing you the power and purpose of prayer. Without prayer, nothing can be done on the earth. The Most High cannot do just whatever he wants to do on the earth. Why? Because he's being faithful to his law. His law was, I gave man, male and female, dominion over the earth. So I must have unity with man, male and female, on the earth to interfere. Let's show you. Let's show you this, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Genesis. The 18th chapter, the 17th verse. This was Abraham. Remember, he said he'll do nothing without first speaking to his servants and prophets. Amos. Third, third chapter, seventh verse. Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now look at this, brothers and sisters, because the Most High liked Abraham for the same reason he chose Abraham. He knew his he knew his character. Could you read that again, brother? Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. See, so he said, I like Abraham because I can trust him. I know I can trust him because his home is in order. That's critical for men, for men to have their house in order because the Most High looks at that to know whether he can trust you with any other work. Why? Because your first work is to get your house in order. You can't go out and, and try to get the earth in order and your house is, is not right. See, brothers and sisters, we just wanted to show you something here. This is during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Mosai said, I want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but I have to get man to be unified. Because why? I gave him authority. So here it is. The Mosai saying, should I do this without Abraham? Of course not, because Amos said that he wouldn't do anything. Without speaking, you know, or having unity with man first. Let's read verse 19 one more time, brother, please. Genesis 18, verse 19. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the, work, the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. See, so a man who instructs his household in the scriptures attracts God. Continue, brother, please. Verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. Now, brothers and sisters, anyone who knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, there was rape going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was homosexuality going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
You can read that story in the ninth, in the next chapter, brothers and sisters. For those of us who don't know, there was two angels that the Most High sent to do what? To examine Sodom and Gomorrah. And you had some homosexuals, some sodomites, look to rape angels. You had sodomites looking to rape angels, brothers and sisters, in the 19th chapter. So here it is. This is, this is what preceded. This is what, what came before the brimstone, the fire. Read 21, brother, please. Genesis 18, verse 21. And I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham, and Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? See, here he goes. He knows the Most High have to keep his word. So he's saying, you've said you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. Continue, brother. Genesis 18, verse 24. Pre-adventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Now look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> look at what's going on here. Abraham is asking the Most High, if there's 50 righteous people in this country, are you going to destroy it, even though there's 50 righteous? Verse 25. Look, listen closely. See, Abraham knows his rights. That be far from thee to do after this manner. Mm, read it again, brother, please. That be far from thee to do after this manner. He's saying, Father, that's not even your character. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't destroy if there's 50 righteous, you're not going to destroy the whole thing. Verse 25. That be far from thee to do... That be far from thee to do after this manner. To slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now look at this. Remember, we talked about knowing the Most High's mind. He knows the Most High's mind. <laughs> He's like, Father, I mean, come on now. You wouldn't do this. <laughs> that would go against your faithfulness. That would go against your word. Your word says you will protect the righteous and destroy the wicked. See, this is the importance of knowing the mind of God, brothers and sisters. Here it is. He's going into a, Abraham is engaging in a lengthy conversation to do what? To mediate for the cities, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Preadventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. So he's saying if there's forty-five. Would thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. Now here it is. Examine it closely, because Abraham had compassion for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, brothers and sisters. Here it is. He's negotiating with the Most High. Why is the Most High negotiating with 
Abraham. Because Abraham has the authority on earth. Genesis 1 and 26 told us this. See? So the Most High has to get a man to agree. He has to get a man to be unified with what he's saying or what he wanted his judgment to be on earth. Why? Because a spirit without a dirt body is not legal, meaning it doesn't have power, brothers and sisters. It doesn't have power on earth. That's why Satan or Lucifer had to take the body of what? Of a serpent, brothers and sisters, because he knew he wasn't legal just being as a spirit. He actually needed something that was made from the dust. The animals came from the dust, brothers and sisters. See, so now you understand Genesis chapter 18, brothers and sisters. The Most High is here consulting with Abraham. Why doesn't he just do what he wants? He is the Most High. He does have the power because he gave the authority to you. He gave the authority to you and I on earth. Let's read 28 again, brother, please. Genesis 18, verse 28. Pre-adventure there lacked five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Preadventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. So here it is, <laughs> brothers and sisters. Abraham starts at fifty. Then he goes to forty-five. The most I like, keep going. Then he goes to 40. And the Most High is like, keep going. <laughs> Why? Because the Most High needs him to align with what the Most High's purpose is so he can do this, brothers and sisters. The Most High, according to his own word, only has access to influence the earth through mankind. Verse 30. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Preadventure, there shall be thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Now, you know Abraham is wise because here he, he watched his speech, brothers and sisters, because he knew he felt even funny negotiating with the Most High. You see that? He felt funny because he was saying, you know, let not the Most High be angry that I keep coming back like this. Most I like, keep going. I gave you the authority on that. Even Abraham knew, like, it was it was like talking back to your parents. But the most I knew, I need man to be unified with my purpose. Why? Because I gave man, male and female, dominion over the earth. And I did not include myself purposely. Because I need my son and daughter to know what it feels like to have rulership, brothers and sisters. Let's read 30 one more time, brother. Genesis 18, verse 30. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Preadventure there shall be 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 so there. If I find 30, I, I won't destroy the city. Verse 31. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Preadventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. So he started at fifty, and now he's at twenty, brothers and sisters. 
Why is the Most High negotiating like this? Why not just do it? The Most High is the power. We are the authority. So the power needs the authority in order to be released legally. So the Most High could do whatever he wants. But if he did that, he would be breaking his word, which he said he would never do, brothers and sisters. This is why you're having this long negotiation here. This is the power and purpose of prayer. The Most High may want to help you out, brothers and sisters. But if you don't pray, he can't. He doesn't have the authority because he gave the authority to you. He does have the power, but he gave the authority to you. So until you go to him for certain things, it cannot happen, brothers and sisters, no matter how much the Most High wants to. Why? Because he will not break his word for anyone. He will not break his word. Let's read verse 32, brother, please. Verse 32. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Preadventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way, as soon as he had left, communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. See, so the Most High knew. <laughs> the Most High already wanted to destroy it, but he let him work his way down. He knew there wasn't 10 people in there, brothers and sisters. That's why the Most High worked it down that way. He's saying, keep going, keep going. I just need what you're saying to align with what my purpose is and uh, fire and brimstone are coming. See that, brothers and sisters? We're reading the Most High's policy of non-intervention. See? The Most High could have did this without Abraham. He didn't need Abraham to do it. But he would have been breaking his word had he done it without Abraham, brothers and sisters. Showing you what? The partnership between heaven and earth, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Genesis 19 and 29 because why? Lot lived in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, brothers and sisters. Who was Abraham's family? 19 and 29. Genesis 19, verse 29. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham. Who did he remember? Remembered Abraham, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrown. When he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. See, so the Most High spared Lot as a direct result of Abraham's request. Brothers and sisters, Abraham wanted his extended family protected from God's judgment. Showing you. See, the power of man, male and female, is the power God gave you. Showing you the power and purpose of prayer. Because without speaking to the Most High, he cannot release the power from, from on high. Remember, which, whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever is loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It goes from, it, the word comes from heaven, goes to earth, and then the power come down. See that, brothers and sisters? See? Let's go to Exodus 3 and 6 to show you how the Most High dealt with another man. Understanding that he gave man dominion. We're going to read Exodus 3 and 6 through 12. This was Moses. Exodus 3 verse 6. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So here it is, the Most High saying, He see the children of Israel suffer, being oppressed. He sees it. Verse 8, And I, come, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian, and to bring them up out of the land onto a good land and a large, onto a land flowing with milk and honey, onto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Prezites, and the Hivites, and the Jubasites. Now, here it is, brothers and sisters. The Most High said He wants to free us. Why didn't He just free us then? Why is He using Moses, brothers and sisters? If he's seeing that our people are suffering, why does he? Need, what does he need Moses for, brothers and sisters? The Most High is prohibited by His own word from intervening without recruiting a man, brothers and sisters. Read verse nine, please, brother. Verse nine. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So here it is. This is black on black here. Because the children of Israel are people of color. Hispanics, black people, and natives who are serving Egyptians who are Hamites or Africans or black. So don't make it seem like the only people we've been oppressed by is white people. No. We've been oppressed a long time. Here it is in Exodus, our people being oppressed. <laughs> Oppression is not new to us, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee on a Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth by people the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? <laughs> Look at this. See, Moses doesn't even understand this. He's like, Why do you need me? <laughs> Why? Because without man's God-given authority, God's power is prohibited. Brothers and sisters, the Most High refuses to orchestrate a symphony without the willing instrument. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. See, so look at this. Here it is, the Most High recruiting another man. Why? Because Genesis 1 and 26 said, He gave them. Gave them. He gave them. Not us, but them. He gave them dominion, brothers and sisters. So what you'll notice is the Most High did nothing without Moses' congruency first, brothers and sisters. The Most High knows that man holds the power of license on the earth. Why? Because the Most High gave us that authority. So in order for anything to happen on earth, it would have to be unity between the earth and heaven through man and the Most High. 
Let's show you that. Let's show you when we were uh, crossing the Red Sea, brothers and sisters, how Moses was being used. Let's go to Exodus 14 and 15. We'll read uh, 15 and 16. Exodus 14, verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. Now this is when we're facing the Red Sea, brothers and sisters. The, Moses is seeing the Egyptians chasing after us, and he's seeing a sea in front of him. He's crying out to the Most High. Verse 16. And hold on, notice something. Read, read 15 again, brother, please. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? He said, Why are you crying to me when you have the authority? <laughs> Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod. Now look at this. He needed Moses to do something first. Verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on drying ground through the midst of the sea. Now, brothers and sisters, we're learning that without the cooperation of man, the Most High is prohibited by his own words. So here it is. You're seeing whatever's bound or loosed on earth will be bound and loosed in heaven. He said, Moses, lift your, lift your rod up, stretch it towards the sea. And when he did that, then the power came down from heaven, the winds to blow the sea apart. But he had to do something first. See? Jump to verse 21 and 22, brother, please. Verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. Now look at it again. <laughs> Moses stretched out his hand first, and then what? Exodus 14, verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. Showing you that he was using a man this whole time. Verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So what we're seeing is, brothers and sisters, the Most High must recruit a man in order to intervene in earthly affairs. Why? Because that was his word. So the Most High can't legally intervene without the alliance of man, brothers and sisters. Jump to verse 26, 27, and 28. Verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea. Now this is once they're on the other side, brothers and sisters. That the waters may come again upon the Egyptians upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. Now, brothers and sisters, why couldn't the Most High just do this without Moses stretching out his hand? <laughs> See? The Most High has the power, but he gave you the authority. The Most High will not break his word. So he did nothing without the congruency of Moses first. Brothers and sisters, can you read verse 26, please? Verse 26. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to it to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. We're reading the Most High's ability to govern himself, brothers and sisters, because we all know that the Most High have the power to do whatever he wants to do. He didn't need man to do this. He wanted man in order for him to do this. That's why he created that law in the beginning. I'm giving dominion to my sons and daughters on earth. I don't have the authority on earth. I have the power, of course, but I'm giving the authority to my children. He didn't need Moses for this if he wanted to break his, his own law. But the Most High would never break his law. That was the first scripture we went to. That's why we went there, to show you, brothers and sisters. Look at the power of self-government that the Most High is showing you here. See, that is power. When to let it go. See, a person who has power, in order to show, in order to show just how powerful you are, you have to know when not to use it. Because why? Some people with power think that give them the license to use it at any time. That's immature, brothers and sisters. We're showing you, or Exodus is showing you the Most High's ability to govern himself. Read 28, brother, please. Exodus 14 and 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. See? So what we're learning, brothers and sisters, that the, is that there are laws operating in the universe that govern how things work without exception. He said he gave man male and female, meaning a spirit with a dirt body, dominion on earth. So that means any spirit without a dirt body, brothers and sisters, has no authority on earth. But see, the Most High is not, is, the Most High doesn't have a body, he only has a spirit, meaning he doesn't have the power to do it, or he has the power to do it, but not the authority, because he gave it to you. So he needs a man. To do his work. He's going to work through that man. It is illegal to have a spirit on earth without a body. And when we say illegal, that means they have no power. A spirit has no power without a vessel, brothers and sisters. Because that's how the Most High made it. And remember, the gospel says the Most High is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the Most High is a spirit without a flesh body. Meaning that he would not be able to intervene on earth unless he had a man with a dirt body and a spirit. So what had to happen? He had to send somebody. Let's go to Isaiah 9 and 6. Isaiah, the ninth chapter, the sixth verse. Isaiah 9, verse 6. This is Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Brothers and sisters, don't speed through the Bible. Take your time reading the Bible. Because if you speed through it, you'll miss it, brothers and sisters. There's two things that he said in this first clause. Can you read it again, brother? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. A child was born. Unto us a son is given. A son is given. Brothers and sisters, the child is from Joseph and Mary, but the son is from the Most High God. You didn't give the son. The son already existed. The Christ was there in the beginning. He created everything in the beginning. It said a child is born. That's the child. That's the, that's the flesh side. That's the dirt side. Unto us a son is given. The son of the most high God. That's the spirit. Mary did not, did not, you know, did not birth the son of God. She did not birth the spirit of Christ. She birthed the flesh. So the Most High understood any, any spirit without a fleshly body is illegal. So you know what? I need to send, you know, I need to send a spirit, the spirit of my son into a fleshly body. That therefore giving him power and authority legally. Can you read it again, brother? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So he said, the Most High said, I'm going to put the son inside a child. The child is the body. The son is the spirit, brothers and sisters. Guess what? The child will make the son legal. He had to come in the flesh so his authority could be made legal, brothers and sisters. For unto us a child was born. That's the flesh. Unto us a son was given. That's the spirit that was put in the flesh, brothers and sisters. See, now you're understanding Christ a little bit better, brothers and sisters. You have the spirit. Remember, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. He created everything. That word, when the Mosai said, let there be light, that word that was spoken was Christ, brothers and sisters. We know that. Christ is not the Mosai. There was a time when the Most High God was to himself. From that, from himself, he poured out the Holy Spirit, which is a feminine spirit. And from the Father and the Holy Spirit, you get Christ. See, Christ was there from the beginning. He had to send the spirit of his son that was there from the beginning in a fleshly body, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he needed a fleshly body in order to be legal. According to his word, brothers and sisters, let us show you something here. Let's go to John and the gospel five and twenty five. Remember what we said, don't read the Bible fast. Don't try to speed through it to get it over, brothers and sisters, because you'll miss it. You'll miss it. Listen closely to brother Joshua's words, please. John five, verse twenty five. Verily, verily, I say unto you. The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Of the what? Of the Son of God. The Son of who? The Son of God. And they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son 
to have life in himself. Showing you that Christ is not God. The Father, in this Trinity doctrine, that they, this garbage that they're talking about. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are not one. They're three different people. You know, there's three different spirits. But they function as one. Like you have a father, a mother, and a child. All of them have the same last name. So they're all the same, but they have different life. life. So this Trinity garbage they're teaching that is the, the Father and the, the Holy Spirit and the Son are actually one. No, they're not. They're three separate, they're three, you know, three separate, but they all have one function, brothers and sisters, together. Read it again from the top, brother, please. John 5, verse 25. Barely, barely, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. The Son of who? The Son of God. And they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. He's what? The Son of Man. Christ used two terms to describe himself here, brothers and sisters. Son of God in verse 25 and Son of Man in verse 27. So, Son of God means the, the God side of him, the spirit. Son of man means the dirt side. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Son of God gives indication that he possesses the power of God. Let's read it again, because if you don't, if you don't examine it closely, you'll miss. In one scripture, he's saying he's the Son of God. The other scripture, he's saying he's the Son of Man. Why? Read it, uh, 25, please, brother. John 5, verse 25. Verily, <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. So there's the Son of God side, the power. So the author is highlighting Christ's power over life and death. Why? Because he's the Son of God. Verse 26. For as the Father have life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also. Why does he have authority? Because he is the Son of Man. Because he's the Son of God. Because he is the Son of Man. See, the title Son of Man carries the authority to use the power of God, brothers and sisters, showing you the authority comes with being a child of man. Remember. The scripture said he'd given dominion over the earth to the children of men. See that, brothers and sisters? He had to be the son of man in order to have legal authorization to use the power of God, brothers and sisters. See? So Christ will have power and authority to call the dead from their graves for eternal judgment. But we wanted you to notice, verse 25, he said, he had the power of God. He was the son of God. Speaking of his spirit. And in 27, it says he has the authority to execute judgment. Why? Because he's the son of man. See? Showing you that being a son of man gives you the authority. Being the son of God gave him the power. Brothers and sisters, now he has the power, but now he has authority to legally use that power. For example, 
If I'm driving in the car and I see a brother speeding and turning and loud music and smoking reefer and all this stuff, and I think, sometimes I do think, like, I wish I was the police, I'd pull his butt over right now. Now, I have the power to pull him over, but I don't have the authority, meaning the ticket that I write on a, on a piece of line paper, he's going to ball it up and throw it back in my face. Why? Because I don't have the authority. I have the power. Power is ability, but I don't have authority. See, you need the power and authority, brothers and sisters. The Most High have given us the authority. He is the power. So he said, I can only release my power through your authority. So if you don't pray to me, I can't help you out. See that? I really, these three scriptures are very telling. Because you'll see in the Bible many times, Christ is referred to as the Son of God. And then you'll also see him referred to as the Son of Man. Now when you see this, you have the comprehension. Son of God is speaking of the power. Son of Man is speaking of the authority that come through the flesh, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, brother, 4 and 3. Let's see what Paul, let's get, let's, let's get with Paul. 2 Corinthians Fourth chapter, third and fourth verse. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Look at this, brothers and sisters. It's telling you the gospel is hidden to those who are lost. So those who resist the Most High will be unable to see the truth. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Examine the source of the ignorance. Read it one more time, brother. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world... Least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. See? So if you look at the source of ignorance, it's Satan. Satan rules by ignorance, brothers and sisters. Satan actively participates in blinding the minds of those who don't submit to Christ, brothers and sisters. So according to verse 3 and 4, the greatest problem of man is not sin or Satan. It's ignorance, brothers and sisters. It says the God of this world, which is Lucifer, Satan, have blinded the minds of them who do not believe. Why? <laughs> because if they understood, brothers and sisters, if they could see, they would believe. How could you not believe the truth? See, you're ignorant. You're blind. See, the information we're going into is hidden to those who don't submit. So they don't even know their power, brothers and sisters. The only reason we can understand what's going on is because we submit, brothers and sisters. When you submit, the Bible tells you, then you can become endowed with his wisdom. And only then, those who don't submit do not comprehend. Why? Because they're in darkness. They're ignorant, brothers and sisters. And Satan would like to keep them that way. 
brothers and sisters. He doesn't want you to know you have power. He doesn't want you to know you have authority. And that the only way that authority can be unlocked is through your prayer to the Most High. We're looking at the power of prayer, the purpose of prayer, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Psalms, the 78th chapter in the 41st verse. Look at it closely because you're going to learn something here. Psalm 78 verse 41. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did what? Limited the Holy One of Israel. Look at that. See? The idea is that we can set a limit to the power of God, brothers and sisters. Did you know that? Read that again, brother. Verse 41. Yeah, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. See? So now you're learning your power here. Brothers and sisters, we limit God by what? By our ingratitude. There's multiple ways that we do it. In this instance, it was ingratitude, brothers and sisters. Let's show you. Let's go to verse 18, same chapter. Psalm 78, verse 18. This is speaking of when we were in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. See, so we limit God by our ingratitude. We were not grateful for what he was giving us. And then we started to complain, brothers and sisters. Guess what? Complaining is the evidence of unbelief. How do we know? Because if you believed he would give it to you or could give it to you, why are you complaining instead of praying? <laughs> See? Complaining. Unbelief. Ingratitude, all these things limit the most time, brothers and sisters. We will learn that unbelief limit God's power. It limits the most high's power. Let's show you that you can limit the most high, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Mark, the sixth chapter. We'll have Brother Joshua read this. We're going to go to a chapter that you probably never read before or probably didn't connect the dots. Let's show you. Mark 6, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 6. And he went out from thence, and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. So this is Christ going to the place where he was raised. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? They're like, I mean, this wisdom that he has is, is unlike most. Where did he get this wisdom from? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? That they were offended at him. So they're like, we know him. <laughs> Who do you think he is? Ain't this the carpenter? Son of Mary? Brother of James? Son of Joseph? <laughs> See, they're like, we know him. We don't want to... Who do you think he is? He grew up where we grew up. We know... we known him since he was a child. Now he coming in here with authority, with wisdom. Who do you think he is? You know this is... You know this is Israelites right here. <laughs> Read the next scripture, brother. Verse 4. But Christ said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, 
but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. See, Christ said a prophet is respected everywhere but in his own country, amongst his own family. People who think they know you, brothers and sisters. You can help convert other people who you've never known before better than you'll be able to do your own family because they think they know you. Brothers and sisters, your mama, she wiped your behind. Now it's hard for her to listen to you telling her about the Sabbath. Why? Because she's used to being the standard of righteousness and morality. And now her son or her daughter is coming with some truth. So it's hard, brothers and sisters. Your friends that you grew up with, high school, you know, middle school, it's hard for them to accept this from you. Why? Because they think they know you. When really they don't. Why? Because you've been born again. You don't know me, brother. You don't. You knew the old me. So Christ, Christ is even telling you, even he was out was without honor in his own country, amongst his own kin. Because familiarity breeds content. People, because they think they know you, think they know that you don't know what you're talking about, brothers and sisters. Because why? You grew up around us. You ain't got no education. You're the same education as us. Read verse 4 one more time, brother, please. Verse 4. But Christ said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. Read that again. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk. And healed them. So it says he couldn't do much healings. He couldn't do mighty work in this country, in, in his own town, brothers and sisters. But lay hands on a few people. There he could do no mighty work. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Because of what? Their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. See? So Christ was limited in what miracles he could do because of mankind's lack of faith. Brothers and sisters, it said he could do no mighty works. Why? Because he could really only do what they would believe him to do. Brothers and sisters. See? So these texts are a warning about what happens when faith is subpar. Brothers and sisters, it wasn't that he didn't have power or he didn't know what he was doing. We know he knew what he was doing. We knew he had power. But it was the lack of faith, brothers and sisters. We're reading the laws of the kingdom of God in operation. This is how it works, brothers and sisters. Read 6 one more time, brother, please. Verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages. It says Christ was in awe of these people's lack of faith. He marveled at their unbelief, brothers and sisters. See, it's your unbelief is one of the things that will limit the most high God, brothers and sisters. See that? Remember, this is the partnership between heaven and earth. See? So with the most high cannot intervene in earthly affairs without what? Without recruiting a man or woman, a, a spirit with a dirt body 
only a spirit with a body has authority on earth or has legality on earth. So a spirit without a body is illegal, therefore having no power legally on earth, brothers and sisters. So we're showing you something here. He had to send the Son of God and the Son of Man, which was Christ. So he had power from on high, but he had the authority also because he was a son of Joseph. See? So when Christians say that Christ was, you know, the Holy Spirit had intercourse with Mary and, and Joseph was his stepfather. I'm like, where's stepfather at in the scriptures? <laughs> this is what they do, brothers and sisters. I'm like, there was no such thing as no stepfather up in the Bible. See? They just make up stuff, brothers and sisters. Joseph was Christ's father, his physical father. And that being his physical father gave him authority because he needed the flesh. And on a fact, in fact, Joseph would have been king, brothers and sisters. Go look at Matthew, the first chapter again. Moses, uh, excuse me, Joseph's lineage went straight to Abraham. It went straight to David. So if we weren't slaves at this time to the Romans, Christ would have been king, said king of Jews. Why? Because he was the son of a king, Joseph. His father would have been king of the Jews. Go look at the lineage again, brothers and sisters. Okay, I'm, let me, I don't want to go too far. Let me dial it back. Let's go to Matthew 7 and 7. The gospel here, brothers and sisters. Matthew 7 and 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask. And it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened on you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Brothers and sisters, we're reading the partnership between heaven and earth. We can receive nothing without it being solicited. See? He's saying, asking it should be, shall be given to you. Why? Because I can't give it to you unless you ask. See? I can't open the door unless you knock on it. Why? Because the authority's on earth. See that, brothers and sisters? Read that one more time, brother, please. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. See? So now you're seeing, brothers and sisters, without that, the Most High can do nothing, even if he wants to. If you don't come to him for it, his hands are tied. The Most High is limited by our prayer life, brothers and sisters. He can do nothing without a petition. He said, I know you're, you know, I know you're at the door, but if you don't knock on it, I can't open it. See? If you don't ask, I can't just give it to you. Christ never just, just healed people, <laughs> brothers and sisters. He never offered up his blessings. He never offered up his healing. Why? Because he could not. Because the Bible tells you whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So heaven cannot operate Without what? Without unity on earth, brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. 
Let's prove that. And let's go to Mark 10. Stick in the gospel for a minute here. Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, the 46th verse, brothers and sisters. We'll read 46 uh, through 52. Mark 10, verse 46. Look, listen to his words closely, please. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, begging. And when he heard that it was Christ of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Christ, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. So they're like, stop talking, leave him alone. And he, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen to, listen to this next verse closely. <clears throat> and Christ stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Christ. Now listen to what Christ asked. And Christ answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you need from me? Read that again, brother. Verse 51. And Christ answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Now, why would Christ ask this? Christ knew he needed to be healed. He knew he was blind. So why would he ask him, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? See? Why? Because the Most High's power is limited without the cooperation of man. Brothers and sisters, he asked because working miracles in the absence of faith is impossible. Brothers and sisters, Christ rarely, if ever, never, Brothers and sisters, he never just offered up a healing without it being first solicited, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he cannot. See, there has to be an agreement with heaven and earth. Asking you shall receive. See, knock and he shall open. The Most High's power does not work without a willing participant, brothers and sisters. Christ generally healed only those who expressed the desire to be healed, brothers and sisters. So unless we confess our need, he will take no action, brothers and sisters. He takes no action unless you confess. Further proof, Brother Joshua, let's go to Matthew chapter 20 and 30, verse 30 that is. Matthew 20, verse 30. And, behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Christ passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. They're like, Be quiet, leave him alone. But they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Christ stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? What did he ask? 
What will ye that I should do unto you? See, here it is again. What do you need from me? Verse 33. They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Now look at this closely, brothers and sisters, because initially they only uttered a general cry for mercy. Let's jump back up to verse 30 and 31. They were not specific, brothers and sisters. And you notice that Christ made them specify. Can you read 30 and 31, brother? Verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Christ passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. Now remember, they said, Have mercy on us. But they cried the more, saying, Saying what? Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. See, so here's just the general cry for mercy. And Christ stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? What did he ask? What will ye that I should do unto you? See, brothers and sisters, are you seeing that? He's asking, What do you need from me? Verse 33, they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Christ had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So what you notice here is that the Most High requires us to frame our wants into a specific petition. Brothers and sisters, why? Because if we do not recognize our insufficiency, no action will take place. He requires us to shape our needs into a verbal prayer. See, if you're not humble enough to say you need help, Father, I need direction. Father, what I'm doing is not working. I can't get this without you. See, if you're not humble enough to say that, he's not going to operate for you, brothers and sisters. You have to admit yourself, your insufficiency. You have to admit that. Even though the Most High knows what you need, unless you tell him, he can't move, brothers and sisters. Why? Because there have to be agreement, a partnership between heaven and earth. Thus the topic, uh, the title, brothers and sisters. See? The partnership between heaven and earth, brothers and sisters. See? We're just showing you something here. We're showing you that you can limit the Most High's power. A lot of people didn't know that. A lot of people didn't even know that. Let's show you. How can you limit them? What's the hindrance to effective prayer? James chapter 5, verse 6. We'll show you, brothers and sisters. A lot of people didn't know they can hinder the Most High. Uh, excuse me, 16. James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another, that ye may be healed. That what? That ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See? So recognizing obstacles and hurdles to answer prayer, this is one of them, brothers and sisters. If you look at it closely, the author is referring to the reconciling of offenses. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another, that ye may be healed. In order for you to be healed, 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Of an unrighteous man. Of a righteous man availeth much. See? So acknowledgement of personal offenses we've committed against others is what this is referring to, brothers and sisters. Why? Because this social confession tends to humble the soul, brothers and sisters. And that key part, the effectual, can you read that part? Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. See, only a good man has great power in prayer, brothers and sisters. And if you're unwilling to confess when you've done something wrong to a person... You don't look like a good man according to the Bible. You look like a proud man. Prideful man or woman. So the supplication of a righteous man or woman is effective. Brothers and sisters. See, why? Why are we going here? Because we showed you the power of prayer. And how the Most High is handcuffed without your prayer. But we're also showing you that even if you do pray. There's certain hindrances that will limit the Most High's power in your life, brothers and sisters, for all of us, including myself. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 30, excuse me, 5 and 23. We're showing you the hindrances to prayer because a lot of people don't know. And see, we have to do this. Why, brothers and sisters? Many people do not pray. And there's a reason for that. Why? Because it's not effective for them. Brothers and sisters, if you go to a soda machine, you put a dollar in this soda machine, and it doesn't kick out the soda, brothers and sisters, what you going to do? You're probably going to put four quarters in it this time. And then what? If it doesn't kick out anything, you'll probably kick the machine, probably give a, you know, <laughs> you won't be giving it superlatives, I'll tell you that. Uh, but then you'll, you'll walk off probably, and you'll do what? You'll avoid it. Brothers and sisters, right? Will you be going back to it? Exactly. So a lot of people, they do what? They avoid prayer, brothers and sisters, because it's not effective for them. That's just natural. That's a human tendency to avoid things that you're not good at or that's not effective, brothers and sisters. So we had to do what? We had to show that there are hindrances or obstacles to answer prayer according to, uh, according to God's word. Let's show you one of them. The scripture previous said what? Go confess your fault to a brother or sister. Now we're going to see that. Let's go to Matthew 5 and 23, Brother Joshua. Matthew 5 verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has ought against thee. If you want to bring something, if you want to approach the Most High, but you remember a brother have a problem with you, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. And do what? Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. Do what, brother? First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. This illustrates the seriousness of personal offenses, brothers and sisters. He wants us to confess our faults to anyone we have offended before approaching them. Notice it. It said... Read 23 one more time, brother. Verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, 
and their remembrance that thy brother has ought against thee. That's the key. If you know that a brother have a problem against you, even if you don't have a problem. Why? Because I know brothers who will say, well, that's his problem. That's a personal problem. That problem you got with me, I'm good. I, I ain't got no problem. Oh, you do have a problem, brother. Your brother has a problem with you. And the Bible is telling you, if you remember that another brother have a problem with you, then you go to them. <laughs> Not wait for him to come to you. You go to them. See, brothers and sisters? Why? Because refused reconciliation makes us ineligible to be in his presence. Read it, brother, verse 24. Verse 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. See? So he wants us concerned with the spiritual well-being of others. Brothers and sisters, a proper relationship with the Most High God is contingent on what we're reading, brothers and sisters. See, you may have done nothing wrong, brothers and sisters, but if a brother have a problem with me, I can humble myself and say, brother, what did I do? What did I do that, that made you feel this animosity against me, brother? Whether I did it or not, I can apologize. Now, that brother may say, go to hell. But hey, at least I went to my brother like the Bible said. Now I can come sacrifice to the Most High. I can come ask the Most High for what I want, brothers and sisters. I can give my offering to the Most High. He's saying, I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your offering to you first. Try and be reconciled with your brethren. See the importance of this, brothers and sisters? Why? Because he's saying, you can't come before me with all that pride in your chest. It's not going to work. Humble yourself. And I promise you, brothers and sisters, going to a brother or a sister whom it was offended by something you've done and you to apologize, whether you believe you're wrong or right, that's humbling, brothers and sisters. Your whole, everything is different about you now when you come back before the Most High. But if you're saying, well, no, nah, that's a personal problem. I ain't got no problem with him and you got a problem with me. See all that hot air in your chest? Look how, look how, you know. How your chest is in the air right now. Most of us saying you can't come before me with all that air in your chest. You gotta humble yourself. We're going into what hindrances to answer prayer. Let's go to Proverbs. Go to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. I know we're jumping around, but today's lesson is very, very important, brothers and sisters, because it's showing us the power and purpose of what? Of prayer. We're going to Proverbs 28 and 13. Proverbs 28 verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. How we handle our sins makes all the difference in the world, brothers and sisters. What we're reading is the ethical wisdom of the wise. Covered sin means no prosperity. Let's read it again, please. Proverbs 28 and 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. So a person who try to conceal it instead of getting it out there, instead of either confessing it to the Most High or to the brother and or sister in whom you've done it against, both of them is, is, is you know, would be best. But, but whoso confesseth, confesseth 
and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, so those who endeavor to conceal themselves under falsehood fall out of favor, brothers and sisters. The Most High will never, ever admit a sinful, unhumbled soul into his kingdom. See? So a brother or a sister who try to always excuse their sin or why they did something shall not prosper. Why? Because you can't take accountability. And the reason why you can't say you were wrong is because of pride. Pride will not allow you to say, I made a mistake. No excuse for that. I apologize. Please forgive me, brother. Please forgive me, sister. Or please forgive me, father. See? So he's telling you, how you handle sin will make all the difference, brothers and sisters. And guess what? If you've done something to a brother or a sister, you going before them and saying, I apologize. I'm sorry for whatever it is that you did. Your relationship become better after that, brothers and sisters. I promise you, because the Bible says that. The Bible tell you when, you know, confession is needed and the confession is given. The relationship becomes much stronger. Why? Because that person now knows that when you're wrong, you know that. And you're man or woman enough to admit that. So now, you know what? I can trust you a little bit more. Because you know right and wrong. And if you're wrong, then you'll say that. See? But most people, they, they're just too prideful. They want people to think they're perfect. None of us are perfect, including me. You're just a man. You're just a woman. You're going to make mistakes. Be able to go to a brother. Go to a sister. And apologize. And not try to conceal that, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apographer. We're to the Apographer. We're going to Sirach or Ecclesiasticus. Chapter 4, verse 26 Ecclesiasticus 4, verse 26. What's that say, brother? Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. Do what? Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. Mm. And for it's not the course of the river. Brothers and sisters, a man should never be ashamed to own when he is wrong. Man or woman. Male or female. Brothers and sisters. Apologies are not about being wrong. They're about accepting accountability or responsibility. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Joshua read it again because it's something key there. Verse 26. Remember the first scripture that we went to said, uh, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That links with this text. Verse 26. Be not ashamed to confess thy sins. Enforce not the course of the river. The course of the river. What is that speaking of? Brothers and sisters, this is speaking of buoyancy. Buoyancy is when you try to... There's something that floats, brothers and sisters, like maybe a cork uh, for like a wine bottle or something. And you try to keep it underwater. How it just keeps coming up and you try to hold it down, but it won't stay underwater. Brothers and sisters, you ever seen that? You ever been in the pool and... Had one of those, you know, your, your light vest or one of those noodles and you're trying to keep it underwater and it just keeps coming up. That's what he's saying, brothers and sisters. Stop, stop trying to conceal it. It's going to come to the, it's going to come to the surface. Stop trying to conceal this. 
Never be ashamed to say you're wrong. If you're ashamed to say you're wrong, you have to humble yourself. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, this is critical. This is critical. Even even uh, parents. Parents should not be ashamed to not confess their sins, but say that they're wrong to their children. Now, in a black household, you don't hold your breath on that. But this is the way it should be, brothers and sisters. If I make a mistake, you know, or I get a little too angry, then I come to my son and tell him uh, that wasn't what, according to God, I wasn't right about that. I should have controlled myself a little bit better. I'm sorry. I'm going to be a better father. See? It's easy, brothers and sisters. It's not easy, but it's not hard either if you want to do what's right, brothers and sisters. Never be ashamed to confess your faults. Because why? Being vulnerable makes people like you better, brothers and sisters. See? If you ever notice, like, when celebrities who you think are, you know, at the top, when they have a slip, people actually like them better after that. Because they can identify, this is a real person. This brother, you know, have struggles just like me. See? There's a power in vulnerability, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Mark, brother. Let's go back to the gospel. Mark, the 11th chapter, the 25th verse. We'll read 25 and 26. Mark 11, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive. Do what? Forgive. If ye have... If ye have ought against any. Now notice something. The previous scriptures said if a brother have something against you. So first it's saying if a brother if, if a brother have something against you, you need to go speak to him. You need to go apologize. This is the opposite now. Can you read it again? Verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have ought against any. That your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do, do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. See, so failing to forgive or reconcile with those we've offended, brothers and sisters, causes separation from the Most High. What we're reading is one of the conditions of pre prevailing prayer. If somebody done something to me, brothers and sisters, guess what? I don't need them to apologize before I forgive them. Because why? You, I mean, I'm not... <laughs> you don't have that kind of power over me. Where I'm just going to be angry every time your name comes up. <laughs> or, you know, you pass them in the hallway, you got to turn the whole other way. And, you know, it's like you're doing more to try to act like you don't see the person. <laughs> just forgive them. And now, guess what? Forgiving doesn't mean put them in position to hurt you again, brothers and sisters. Forgive them means I'm giving myself permission to have the have my mind back. See? And also, I'm doing what I need the most high to do for me. Because with our people, the children of Israel, when somebody do one thing or cross you, brothers and sisters, the whole rest of the relationship is, I, I don't like them. Seven years ago when I first met them, she said... What are those on my feet? What type of shoes are those? And I, I just don't like her. This is what we do, brothers and sisters. There's family members in our family we don't even talk to 
based on something that transpired 15 years ago. So the Bible is telling you what? Can you read that again, brother? Mark 11, verse 25. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. See? So remember, brothers and sisters, that sin not yet forgiven hinders everything else, brothers and sisters. We're showing you what? We're showing you the obstacles, the hindrances to prevailing prayer, to effective and efficient prayer, brothers and sisters. We're showing you how you limit the Most High. We've already established that He gave man, male and female, dominion over the earth. Therefore, He can do, He needs to recruit a man in order to do anything on earth. Because why? He gave the authority to man. We also established that what? You can limit the Most High. In Mark, the sixth chapter, what happened? Christ was unable to heal in his own town because they didn't believe, brothers and sisters. We also noticed or, or learned that Christ never offers his healings. You have to tell him what you need, showing you the partnership between heaven and earth. Now, we're showing you what the hindrances are to answer prayer. Let's go to James 4 and 17, brothers and sisters. We're going to the book of James, 4th chapter, 17th verse. James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Read that again, brother. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, this text emphasizes the obligations incumbent upon all men, brothers and sisters. Knowledge of what's right puts us under the obligation to fulfill it. Now, why are we saying that? Because the Bible says, forgive. The Bible also says, if a brother have a problem with you, you go to him. And for you not to do it, it's called a sin because you know it's right. See? Now that encompasses all the things that are not written in the literature. Because there's things that are not right that are actually not written in the literature. But you're made in the image of God. So that means it doesn't have to be written in the literature. Brothers and sisters, you know it's wrong. There's things specifically he's told you individually. That's not in the Bible. Now if you do that, it's a sin. Even though it's not within the in the Bible. See that, brothers and sisters? See? Read that one more time, please, brother. James 4, verse 16. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. Verse 17. Verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So the omission of a known duty is what? It's criminal, brothers and sisters. When you know what's right, you do it, no matter how you feel about it, brothers and sisters. See? Let's show you something. Let's go to Proverbs 28 and 9, because we're showing you the hindrances to what? To effective prayer. Proverbs, the 29th, excuse me, the 28th chapter, the 20. The 28th chapter in the ninth verse. 
Proverbs 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. We're reading the conditions of communion with God, brothers and sisters. Now, when it says, read it one more time, brother. Verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be abomination. Now that's key, because hearing in this text is not merely to hear it read. It means accepting and obeying, brothers and sisters. This text teaches us that the Most High does indeed refuse to hear some prayers. Because it said, even his prayers shall be an abomination. So he who obstinately refuses to obey prayeth to the air brothers and sisters Christians will never show this <laughs> they think you could do whatever you want to do you know follow no laws break his Sabbath and then what he's going to answer prayer I mean it's a trance that they're under brothers and sisters even you know Israelites regular people who are not Christians believe the same thing it's a trance Brothers and sisters, this is very sad. We're going to go to Matthew, the 21st chapter, the 28th verse. We're going to read 28 through 31, brothers and sisters. Examine this closely. Matthew 21, verse 28. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. Two sons he had. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. So there was a, bro a man who had a son and told his son, he had two sons rather, and told his first son to go work in my vineyard. Verse 29, he answered and said, I will not. He said, no. But afterward, he repented and went. So initially, this first son said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I got other stuff to do today. The new Jordans just came out. I, I can't work in the vineyard. I'm gone. But then something set in and he repented and he actually did it, brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And he came to the second son and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And went not. So his second son said, I'll, I'll go, Father, but he didn't go. Verse 31. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. Which one which of the two did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first Christ. The first Christ said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. <laughs> so, brothers and sisters, Christ is showing that we cannot just say we believe with no action. Brothers and sisters. Because why? The first brother, he did what? He, he refused. He refused, but he went and did it, though. The second brother, the second son, he said, I'll do it, but didn't go at all. So, we should not only agree with his word, but live it. Brothers and sisters. So it's telling you, even though he didn't do it initially, he ended up doing it. His second son said, yes, father, I'll go. Whatever you want. And then didn't go at all. Christ said, which one of them did the will of the father? The one that said no initially, but ended up doing it. Same thing for us, brothers and sisters. Some of us have done the wrong thing. 
A lot of us, uh, you know, did not know the truth. But the Most High, as long as you have breath, brothers and sisters, He will allow you to come back. And then you have what? Christians. Who say, yeah, I follow Christ. Okay, well, stop eating pork. Well, I don't know about that. Well, stop going to church on Sunday. What about the Sabbath? Well, I don't know about that. Christ came for me to break the law. Well, where's Christmas at in the Bible? Well, you know. <laughs> See? So they claim, they're giving the right answer. Of, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I'm not following anything that's there. See? I'm just showing you, brothers and sisters. You have to live it. You have to live that word. Let's go to Revelations 10 and 9, brother. I'm going to read uh, 10 and 9 and 10 and 10. Look at this closely, brothers and sisters, because what we're getting ready to read happens to many of us. Many of us. Revelations 10, verse 9. We'll read 9 through 11. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. This is John. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Now, here it is, brothers and sisters, taking this book, eat that Bible up, eat the scroll, eat it up, the Bible tells us, and even in Ezekiel, eat the scroll, that means digest it, right? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 9, And I went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. So there it is. It was sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his digestive system, brothers and sisters. Now that's the same thing that happens to us when you first hear the word. It's, it's so sweet. It's like music to your ears. You never heard something so so beautifully crafted, brothers and sisters, so wonderfully structured. And then when it digests and you sit with it a little bit and you see what it's telling you to do, it becomes bitter. Read verse 10, brother, please. Verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. See? So hearing it is sweet as honey, but its application is bitterness. We just wanted to show you, brothers and sisters. See? Initially, upon hearing, it's, it's, it's so good, brothers and sisters. It's sweet. What are the Israelites to this and that? But then when you see, okay, how do I apply this? It's telling me to do this. And it's also telling me what the judgment of the earth is. See? So you can't pick and choose the Bible and say, well, the, the Bible to talk about the slave ships and the natives and, and the Hispanics. And that part is true. But when it comes to what I have to do, <laughs> I don't do that. Well, no, if you're going to use the book to say you're the people, then you got to use the book to correct yourself. Read the 11th verse, brother, please. Verse 11. And he said unto me, thou must prophesy again before many peoples. And nations and tongues and kings. Actually, read the tenth uh, verse because only when he had to apply it did it become bitter. Let us show you, brothers and sisters. Revelations ten verse ten. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, 
and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many people. See, that's it. He said my belly became bitter. Why? Because now I have to go tell other people this. <laughs> now I have to apply it. See that, brothers and sisters? When you first get it, it's sweet. But the Bible tells you the more wisdom you get, the more grief you have, brothers and sisters. Because not only are you seeing... You're seeing... The more you're learning, you're, you're learning how... How far you have to go. How you're really not close at being righteous at all. Brothers and sisters. That's in the Bible. Why? Because you learn what was wrong from the Bible. Until then, you're dealing with ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. Brothers and sisters. But the more you learn, the more grief comes. Why? Because you, you're seeing how unworthy we are. Brothers and sisters. You're seeing how much we have to change. You're seeing the prophecy of judgment. So we understand, brothers and sisters. But, Romans 2 and 13, we understand it becomes bitter once it's digested. But Paul wants to show us something, brothers and sisters. Romans 2 verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Read that again, brother. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. See, hearing is a great privilege, brothers and sisters. And as a privilege, it involves what? Great responsibility. See? So there's no actual virtue in listening. The virtue is actually in doing it, in applying it, brothers and sisters. So according to Paul here, education without application is... Entertainment, brothers and sisters. Change is the end result of all true learning, brothers and sisters. And guess what? This statement here, verse 13, is generally true of any law. So a person can know, okay, the speed limit is 35, but I'm going to do 55. So <laughs> knowing it is not going to justify you following it. Brothers and sisters, is where the justification comes. See? That's for any law. Brothers and sisters. Don't be a hearer of the law only. Be a doer. Whether you agree with it or not, some things are hard. That's why the law is there. The law, the law is there for hard times, brothers and sisters. That's why it's there. Let's go to Psalms 66 and 18. We're going to have Brother Joshua read 18 and 19. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Here it is. We're showing you the hindrances to, to effective prayer. Could you read that again? Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So the first condition of effective prayer is that our pure, excuse me, that our heart be pure. Brothers and sisters, if I regard what, brother? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended 
to the voice of my prayer. Now this is critical because it's saying you have to pray with a pure heart. Anytime you see iniquity, iniquity is invisible sin, brothers and sisters. It's sin that someone else can't see from the outside. That's what iniquity is, brothers and sisters. We're going to give you an example of that. We're at John, the fifth chapter, the first through the, uh, through the ninth verses. John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Christ went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Having five porches. Now, brothers and sisters, the Bethesda pool was also situated quite quite close to the temple, brothers and sisters. Bethesda was a scriptural location where remarkable healings took place, brothers and sisters. Just to give you some background. Verse 3. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. So at this pool, there was what, brother? A great multitude of... Of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So Israelites knew that in this specific place at Bethesda, brothers and sisters, when they would be at a certain season, an angel would come into the water, and those, the first into the water would be healed, no matter what sickness or ailment they had, brothers and sisters. Showing you the power of water, Hebrews always respected water, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 5. <clears throat> and a certain man was there, which had an affirmity thirty and eight years. When Christ saw him lie, when Christ saw this brother, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He said unto him. What did he say? Wilt thou be made whole? What did Christ ask for? Wilt thou be made whole? So here it is. Christ is asking him. Do you want to be healed? Brothers and sisters. Here it is again. He asked the question intentionally. To draw what the real issue was. Because look at his response. Verse 7. The impotent man answered him. Sir. I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me in the pool. What did he say? I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another step it down before me. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. Because rather than answering the question directly, he explained why he hadn't been healed. Brothers and sisters. Verse Living in defeat, he blamed his situation on others, brothers and sisters. Now, this was critical. See? Because this, this is what he was showing you. A lack of accountability. Looking to blame people. Playing the blame game. He asked you a simple question, brother. Do you want to be healed? This brother started to go into why he wasn't healed at this point. When nobody's helped me get in. and Christ is like... See? This is what he's this was what he was trying to show. He showed that the brother adopted a victim mentality, brothers and sisters. We're reading that what? The human tendency to attribute a personal failure to others. Christ asked him a clear question, and he did what? He started explaining it off. Can you read verse six again, brother? 
verse 6. <clears throat> when Christ saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another step it down before me. So he accepts no responsibility for his circumstances. In fact, he places the responsibility of his circumstances on other people, brothers and sisters. Verse 8. Christ said to him, What did he say? Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He said, get your butt up and walk. Want to hear that mess? See, it is. Christ didn't even want to deal with what he was saying. Because here it is, this brother is making excuses for why he's not healed. You could have just answered Christ. You could have paid somebody to put you in that water. Anything. Showing you that what, brothers and sisters, a lot of us don't get healed because we're unwilling to take responsibility for what we did to get us in that case. See that? A lack of responsibility, a lack of accountability, brothers and sisters, will make healing very evasive, very elusive, brothers and sisters. Many people refuse to be healed by evading accountability, brothers and sisters. See? It's not, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. He asked you a clear question, brothers and sisters. A clear question. Do you want to be healed? Well, I would be healed, but people keep going down. And Christ said, get your butt up and walk. Continue, brother, please. Verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now let us show you, brothers and sisters, because the spirit of victimization puts a restraining order out against healing. He made an excuse initially. And once you'll see, you'll see that he made an excuse again later on that day, brothers and sisters. Read, read verse 11, brother. John 5, verse 11. He answered them. No, excuse me. Uh, 10. Verse 10, please. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. So, of course, you had some of our people like, Boy, you can't be carrying no bed. It's the Sabbath. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Here he goes again. See, now he blaming Christ. <laughs> now he blaming Christ. They said, Why are you, you know, why are you carrying your bed? It's the Sabbath. He said, Well, this brother made me healed, and he told me to take up my bed and walk. Why not just say? Why not take accountability and say, well, listen, I haven't walked in 38 years. That's why I'm walking. See, he didn't do that. He found someone else to blame. So usually people like this, brothers and sisters, cannot progress in life. They cannot be healed, brothers and sisters. Because they always find a reason for everything to be everybody else's fault. Brothers and sisters, be careful with that. When you hear a brother or a sister always having an excuse, it's never their fault. It's not because of anything they did. It's always because somebody else. See, you put a restraining order against progress, 
against prosperity. Why? Because you're playing the blame game. Same thing Adam and Eve did. Adam said, it was the woman that you gave me. Eve said, no, it was the serpent that deceived me. See? So that blame game actually began in Genesis in Genesis, brothers and sisters, where Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. This brother has, you know, been healed, and now he's blaming Christ for healing him, saying, "Well, I'm breaking the law carrying this, you know, this bed because somebody healed me." See, that's iniquity, brothers and sisters. Refusing to what? Take accountability. Refusing, refusing to be responsible. Making excuses. Let's show you. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. We're going to the Apocrypha. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters, but I really need you to examine this. Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. Ecclesiasticus 32, verse 17. A sinful man will not be reproved. But findeth an excuse according to his will. See? So the Bible teaches the concept of personal responsibility. It said a sinful man won't be corrected. He always has an excuse. So the Bible expects us to take personal responsibility in every area of our lives. Brothers and sisters, justifying our sin instead of admitting it is a symptom of what? It's a symptom of pride. Brothers and sisters, can you read that again? Verse 17, a sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. So being unable to receive constructive criticism without offense is evidence of pride, brothers and sisters. If you ever know a person like this where they always have an excuse, they can't just say, I was wrong. I know I shouldn't have did it, but I couldn't help myself. A person always try to explain it off and smoothen it over. Why? Because God forbid you ever think that I'm human and actually made the wrong decision. I need to smooth it up and smooth it over and put some sugar on it. A sinful man, not a man who has sinned, a sinful man, meaning he's going to continue to do so. See, there's a difference then between a sinful man and a man who has sinned. A sinful man, since he's making excuses... He's not going to change. Why would he change? <laughs> because he has an excuse for why he did it. See? Let's go to Psalms 84 and 11, Brother Joshua. Follow us to the Tanakh. Psalms 84 and 11. Psalms 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The idea conveyed by the comparison derived from the sun, brothers and sisters, if you look at it, <laughs> what does the sun give you? The sun gives you life, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time. Psalms 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And what will happen? No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. What does he withhold? No good thing. 
Sweetie. So, who are the characters likely to share this felicity, brothers and sisters? Let's read it again. Verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So those who are most likely to share the felicity are them that walketh uprightly, brothers and sisters. We're reading the reciprocation of what? Submissiveness, brothers and sisters. See? He is a sun and shield to those who are submissive. And he will withhold no good thing. That's the key part. He didn't say he would withhold nothing. He said no good thing. So what you think is good could be different than your father. Same way as a child. You thought certain things were good, but your parents did not think so, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to 1st John chapter 3, the tw uh, 22nd verse. 1st John 3 verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. A strong prayer life is based on obedience, brothers and sisters. Let's read that again. Verse 22. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. No, his law is done away with. We keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So those who wish to see bold prayers answered, brothers and sisters, must live in obedience. See? We're reading what's necessary, brothers and sisters, to our petitions being granted by the Most High God. Not only keeping his commandments, but doing things that are pleasing in his sight. Because there's certain things that are not outlined in the Bible that are personal to you about what's right and what's wrong, brothers and sisters. See, pleasing in his sight means you have to get to know his mind. Remember, we started off our lesson today talking about some people know his hands and some people know his mind. Moses knew the Most High's mind. The people knew his hands. Moses had the personal, intimate relationship, brothers and sisters. We're learning today the Most High's mind. Let's go to 1 John 5 and 14. Just a few chapters over. 1 John 5 verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his okay. will, according to what? According to his will, he heareth us. Now look at this closely, <clears throat> brothers and sisters, because we will receive everything we ask for in agreement with his will. See, brothers and sisters? That's the key. With his will, the key to effective prayer is understanding God's purpose for our life. Did you notice how when he was dealing with Moses and he was dealing with Abraham, he got Abraham down to a, a, a number uh, of 10. He went from 50 to 10. Why? Because he needed Abraham to agree what his purpose was. So the most highest purpose is going to stand, whether 
he need to go to somebody else or go through you. See how it got down to 10 brothers and sisters? So when you pray to the Most High, you pray or you petition him according to what your rights is in the Bible, brothers and sisters. See? So you have to know what your rights are. That's what a petition is. You're not just creating your own prayer, brothers and sisters. You're going in the word and saying, the word says I deserve this, Father, if I do this. See? You're not just asking for everything willy-nilly all over the place. No. You're looking in the Bible saying, I have a right to this according to you, Father. So I ask that you give me that. And guess what? Such prayer can only come from a servant who searches the, the mind of God. Let's show you. We'll go to Proverbs 19 and 21. And then we'll end it at Luke, the, first, uh, the 11th chapter. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Proverbs 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. The Most High, according to verse 21, is more concerned with his purpose than he is about your plans. Brothers and sisters, according to this text, our plans will have to adapt to his purpose. Let's have Brother Joshua read that again. Verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord... That shall stand. When it says many devices, that's many plans in a man's heart, brothers and sisters. Nevertheless, the purpose of the Most High will stand. So his purpose will always prevail, brothers and sisters. So unless the counsel of the Most High is included in our plans, they will not materialize, brothers and sisters. See, so yes, we're praying, but we have to pray His will. And when your what you want lines up with his will, it's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's what was going on with Moses. Moses wanted our people delivered. In fact, he killed an Egyptian and hid him in the sand. See, so what he wanted was in will with the Most High. The Most High wanted to have our people free. So did Moses. And there you have it. That was the partnership between heaven and earth, brothers and sisters. Showing you that what? Only a spirit within a dirt body, a flesh body, brothers and sisters, have what? Have legal right, have authority on earth. Spirits without a body are illegal, brothers and sisters. That's why Christ had to come in a physical body. The spirit of the Most High in the physical body as a son of Joseph and Mary. See, Satan understood this. All the demons understand that without a body from the dirt, they are illegal, meaning they have no power, brothers and sisters. Genesis 1 and 26 said he gave man dominion. He did not include himself. He gave man dominion of the earth, male and female. So man has dominion over the earth. And without man... Nothing can happen. Even though the Most High may want to do it, he will not break his word. That means he has to find a man that is going to agree with his purpose and then use that man to flip the earth upside down. That's you. That's me. That's us. Brothers and sisters. 
We're going to end it here at Luke 11, 1 through 4. This is what they call the Lord's Prayer, brothers and sisters. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that, as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Do what? Teach us to pray. Do what, brother? Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, this is concerning to me, brothers and sisters. This is very concerning to me because I've read the gospel, read Acts, I've read the the Bible many times over. And I've never seen the disciples ask Christ to teach them anything but this. So out of all the things that Christ did, they didn't ask him to teach him teach them how to walk on the water or heal the blind or anything. The one thing they asked Christ to teach them in his during his ministry was pray, brothers and sisters. And that was concerning to me because they saw him do a lot of great things. Which that meant it put the onus on the power of prayer. Why? Because the scriptures tell you that it was Christ's it was Christ's custom. It was customary for Christ to get up before dawn, a few hours, and go pray, brothers and sisters. He would go out and pray for hours and then he would come back and he would heal people in 10 seconds. There was a time when the disciples could not heal a brother. And when Christ came down from praying, Christ healed this young brother and then told him certain spirits only go out by fasting and prayer. So what they saw, brothers and sisters, they asked him this because they they deduce they deduce something. They saw that Christ was spending every day three to four hours praying, and then he was healing people in ten seconds. If you if you spend three hours with the most high in the morning, you only spend three seconds with men. See, a lot of people now they gotta do all this praying and sweating and dripping for hours and the demons never leave. So they saw something different in Christ and they believed it was connected to his prayer. His prayer life, brothers and sisters. Let's read it one more time. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that, as he was praying in a certain place, when he seized, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. Is John also taught his disciples? So if they're saying, John, your cousin, he taught his disciples. So brothers and sisters, what we're getting ready to see is what? This is the structure. This is a template. For what? Effective petitioning before the Father. Now, when we say template, brothers and sisters, template means you input. You look at the structure of a thing. If you are creating a, a resume and you pull up a template, you better not turn in the template, brothers and sisters. The template is just, <laughs> it's just a draft on where things, the placement of things. This is a template. Brothers and sisters, this is the structure that he's teaching us. Let's see what it is. Verse 2, brother. Luke 11, verse 2. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, 
Hallowed be thy name. So step one is to first start with praise and worship. They're hallowing his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Now look at that, brothers and sisters. It's saying pray that the Most High's will be done. So you first start off with worshiping, praising his name. And then you pray for his will to be done. Verse 3. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now you pray for your needs. And forgive us of our sins. In what? And forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. See? So step four is to confess sin and ask for forgiveness. So it starts off with you praising him, worshiping him. And then praying that his will be done. And then praying that it, your needs are met. And then what? Confessing your sin and asking for forgiveness, brothers and sisters. So, uh, you know, everything that we learned today, brothers and sisters, I hope you all have understood that time spent in prayer is not time wasted, but time invested, brothers and sisters. Prayer. Is man giving God the legal right to interfere in earth's affairs? Brothers and sisters. Prayer is earthly license for heavenly intervention. Brothers and sisters. More work is done by prayer than work itself. Today's lesson was the partnership between heaven and earth. Brothers and sisters. We went into a lot of information I pray that you all sit with this. Uh, you meditate on this, brothers and sisters. You digest this. I know there's a lot of new information. Um, but the Most High knows uh, we need this during this time. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.